You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It's Thursday, September 20th, which means we are just one day away from Penn State's Big Ten opener in Champaign against Illinois. That will be Friday night on Fox Sports 1, 9 p.m. Eastern. So, you know, make whatever preparations you need to make. Get your sleep schedule adjusted accordingly. Maybe take a nap on Friday afternoon. Schedule that late night pot of coffee. Maybe try a coffee stout, a Red Bull vodka if you are are hopping, if you are enjoying uh, some refreshments during the game. Those might be good for a 9 p.m. start on a Friday. Uh, Penn State's a 28-point favorite in that game. Should be an easy win for the Nittany Lions, but don't want to take anything for granted. Penn State does actually have a losing record in Big Ten openers, but we are going to count down the top five Big Ten openers that Penn State has had in its 25 years in the conference later in the show. There's been some there's been some bad losses, but there's been some very, very good wins and memorable wins. So we'll count down the five, the top five wins that Penn State's had in its Big Ten openers in the last segment of today's show. So make sure you stick around for that. But first in today's show, we're going to be joined by Tyler Donahue of Lions 247. Tyler knows the team very well, knows recruiting very, very well. And I'm excited to talk to him and to get his insights about what he's seen in the first few weeks of Penn State's season. And we're also going to discuss the immediate impact that a lot of those members of Penn State's uber-talented 2018 recruiting class have been able to make. So Tyler's going to join us pretty much right off the bat here. Real quick, before we get into that interview, I just want to remind fans that they can find Locked On Nittany Lions on Twitter, at Locked On Nittany. We post a lot of polls and ask for user feedback on the show. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or want to vote in the polls that we talk about here during the show, I highly recommend that you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can also find me, Stephen Pianovich, on Twitter at SPianovich. That's at S-P-I-A-N-O-V-I-C-H. I also want to remind listeners that they can find Locked On Nittany Lions on iTunes, on Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I recommend that you subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes during the week. Also, if you could leave us a rating or review, that is greatly appreciated as we continue to grow this show in this first few weeks of being a podcast. And thank you to everyone who has given us feedback and follows us on social media and subscribes and listens to this show. It is greatly appreciated, and we have gotten a terrific response from the Penn State community so far. All right, so that's enough enough housekeeping, enough of that. Let's get to my interview with Tyler Donahue of Lions247. All right, I am happy to be joined now by Tyler Donahue. He covers Penn State and Penn State recruiting for Alliance 247 of the 247 Sports Network. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. How are things going in Happy Valley? Things are great. It's uh, beautiful weather today, and uh, season is going off to an interesting start. I appreciate you having me on the show, and 
really excited for you that, that you've got this going. Well, hey, I, I'm really happy to do it, and I'm happy you're joining us, and I'm happy you're still covering Penn State because uh, your voice that I think a lot of people rely on up there. So thanks for joining us. Um, let's dive into things this week. Uh, some of the bigger news that James Franklin talked about on his Tuesday co- uh, press conference. We're recording this on Wednesday. Now, Tommy Stevens, it sounds like, is uh, is ready for he's, – he's cleared for return, and we could be seeing him this week against Illinois. Uh, what, what did James Franklin have to say about him this week? Yeah, Franklin uh, has always made it a point not to discuss injuries. Um, so the fact that he felt comfortable discussing what was going on with Tommy Stevens tells you a lot. Um, he, in fact, he went so far as to say if they needed him against Kent State last Saturday, they could have played him. So I think that that's a big statement from Franklin. It certainly indicates that, that Stevens is go for launch. You know, uh, and he was a guy that it, big things were expected from. Uh, you know, after what he did last year, he's not just one of the most valuable backup quarterbacks in college football. He's also filling this mysterious lion role that Ricky Ronnie, <laughs> the Penn State's offensive coordinator, has added to the uh, to the depth chart. So. We don't know exactly what he'll be doing, but he may be in action this Friday night against Illinois. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much film they want to get on him uh, available mm-hmm. ahead of the Ohio State game. But, uh, yeah, he should be ready to return. And, and in the meantime, Sean Clifford, a redshirt freshman, has gained a lot of experience as McSorley's number two. Yeah, yeah. And just what have, your been, what have your reactions been to Sean Clifford and what you've seen? Obviously, the numbers are – it's pretty <laughs> pretty impossible to get have better numbers than he's had, but – how has he looked, and what are teammates and, and coaches saying about how he's developed here in his first couple seasons? Yeah, the sample size is pretty impressive. It's going to be hard for him to keep up this pace. He's 4-for-4, four four, 151 passing yards, two touchdowns. He threw a touchdown on his first uh, attempt in college on the road at Pitt. Um, so, yeah, obviously the production is there so far. But I think what, what you hear about Clifford is he has really attached himself to Stevens. Uh, to McSorley since he arrived on campus last year. He's an extremely competitive guy. I would say that's the word that comes out of players and coaches' mouths probably quickest when you mention Sean Clifford is competitive, competitive, competitive. Uh, That is huge because, you know, if you're idle and you're used to being the guy, as he was, a starting quarterback and won a state championship in the city of Cincinnati, um, you know, it it can be difficult to take a backseat coming to campus. But he's embraced the the lonely work behind the scenes, and, and he got a chance to show what he could do in front of the Beaver Stadium crowd for the first time on Saturday. And, and all he did was throw the longest pass for a touchdown in program <laughs> history, 95 yards yeah. to freshman Daniel George. So, uh, yeah, I think the early returns on Clifford is they actually, this, you know, Franklin said blessing in disguise that Stevens was out because now they feel pretty good about where they're at. They have some film on him. They have some things to work on. But Clifford really has made his case to be the quarterback of the future here long term. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's one of the young players that I know a lot of Penn State fans are excited about. There are also a ton of those types of players in the 2018 recruiting class, and that was on full display last week against Kent State. You saw a lot of that very talented class, maybe maybe the most talented class recruiting class Penn State has ever had, make their debuts against Kent State, and uh, with with Penn State taking advantage of that redshirt, the new redshirt rule, which allows players to play in up to four games. Just what have, you know that class really well. What have your impressions overall been about how they've been able to make an immediate impact on the field and both, you know, during the summer and during training camp leading up to the season? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I followed very closely as this class was assembled, and 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 time after time, you heard from these players that they were coming to campus 
with national championship aspirations. And and I may, maybe that was said when Trace McSorley's 2014 class got to campus, but, but I don't know if they fully believed it. These guys believe it because they know how close Penn State has been to the college football playoff the last couple of years, and they believe they can be kind of that, that, that group that helps tip them towards the playoffs and finally beats down that door. I mean, so far you got to be impressed by the impact. I mean, it's not even the high-profile guys. You know, we just got our first look at Justin Shorter for limited reps. Um, he was a little banged up in training camp. He was the top receiver coming out of high school in the entire country. Now, he hasn't caught a pass yet, but it, it's some of the guys who maybe were a little less heralded. You know, uh, Jake Pinniger, kicker on this team, mm-hmm. he hasn't missed an extra point yet. Uh, in fact, he needed to make an extra point against Appalachian State to push the game against overtime. Uh, so how's that for your first appearance uh, in a college game? If he misses that, they're 0-1. I think that's been a big thing to check off the list. But, you know, Micah Parsons has looked the part uh, of of every bit that we talked about. You know, he's the top-ranked recruit that this program has signed in, in, since 2005, and that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah. he's, you know, second on the team in tackles through three games. He's playing as many reps as any linebacker on the team right now. Jesse Lucchetto also coming along very nicely at linebacker for this team. P.J. Mustafer. Jason Oway up on the defensive line. I'm really impressed by Jason Oway. By the way, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds, and James Franklin says he ran the fastest forty yard dash of any recruit who who came in this year and, and camped at Penn State. So that's speaking volumes. He had two sacks in his first game. And then you look over on the offense and, and Pat Fryermuth, uh, you know, one of the two top ten tight end prospects they signed. Uh, he's already asserted himself as a co-starter. He's listed along with Danny Dalton and, and Jonathan Holland as a co-starter. He got more reps than, than either of those guys the last couple of weeks. So, you know, progress has been made there. And I do expect we're going to see an influx at receiver, whether it's Justin Shorter, Daniel George, Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of young talent at that position as well. And it's worth noting, by the way, there were 18 freshmen last year who redshirted. You know, this is before the redshirt rule mm-hmm. changed. And all those guys are making their first contributions as well. So Penn State is juggling a youth movement with trying to compete for, you know, a college football playoff spot, another Big Ten championship. And there have been some growing pains, but I think they've come out of non-conference play really achieving a lot of what they wanted to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of those guys you mentioned that, that I want to talk about here is Pat Fryermuth. He had two catches for 35 yards last week. It seems like his role is going to get bigger as the season goes on. He's obviously a big target at 6'5". It could develop into one of the best tight ends in the country by the time he's done at Penn State. What do you think his ceiling is uh, for the 2018 season and for his career uh, with as a Nittany Lion? Yeah, I mean, I think his ceiling for the 2018 season is is becoming an outright starter. You know, I still think he's got some some strides to make there. I don't think... Penn State staff is just going to hand that starting rollover to them you know, when there's veterans in that mix who have been contributing as well and working hard. Um, but, but I think he's firmly there as the guy who's going to get as many, if not more, reps than any other tight end on this roster. You know, long, mm-hmm. term, uh, long term, you have to view this guy as a, you know, a potential all-conference tight end. I mean, if you're coming into Penn State where they have veterans and they got another top 10 recruit and Zach Koontz in the class with you, if you're the guy who's asserting yourself this quickly and, and, and making an impact, then, then expectations are going to be very high in 2019 and beyond. I think it's worth noting we, we've heard repeatedly about his abilities as a blocker. Mike Isicki was a lot of things, an athletic freak, an extremely productive tight end, left, made a bunch mm-hmm. of, of records at the position. Uh, but there was always the, the talk about, you know, he wasn't an efficient blocker. He wasn't an overwhelming blocker. 
Well, Pat Fryermuth has come in and made a difference. He's helped spring some big runs. He's a very smooth route runner, and it's worth noting he reclassified during his high school career, went to a prep program. So he is actually the oldest member of the class. He's older than some of the redshirt, you know, the second-year players. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that helps with the maturity, but they are very excited about Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, and for good reason. I'd expect to see a lot of him as the season progresses here. We'll get back to the interview in a minute, but quickly, I wanted to tell you about Locked On Nittany Lions sponsor, MyBookie. Remember, who you bet on is just as important as who you bet with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, MyBookie is your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is super easy to use. And for Locked On Nittany Lions listeners, there's a special offer. My bookie will match new users' deposits dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000 when they use the promo code ONCOLLEGE25. So go to my bookie, sign up for the account, and use the promo code ONCOLLEGE25, that's O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E-2-5. Do that today, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, we are with Tyler Donahue from Lions247. You can find him on Twitter at TD's Take. Great source of Penn State news and Penn State recruiting news. Tyler, we have a couple of fill-in-the-blank questions before we let you go here. Uh, we're going to stay with the recruiting theme real quick, and uh, you kind of alluded to this before, but the play or the player or players in Penn State's 2018 recruiting class that could benefit, benefit the most from the new redshirt rule is who? Jason Oway. Uh, he's somebody I don't think would have had any chance to sniff the football field uh, in, in how things were before. He played about a dozen high school games. Uh, he did not play football in high school until his junior year. In fact, he attended a high school as a freshman and a sophomore that didn't even have a football team. He was focused on basketball. So he's a guy that I think you probably would have just kind of tucked away, let develop in the back. Instead, because of this redshirt role, he gets out there against Kent State, gets a couple sacks. That's going to do wonders for his confidence. Don't know if he'll exceed the four games and then burn that red shirt, but I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, it's very valuable to get film on someone like him and get confidence uh, for somebody who's still new to the game. So uh, he's the guy that stands out right away. Yeah, yeah. that actually trans- translates really well into my next fill-in-the-blank question. Now, I know James Franklin, as you mentioned, said that he ran the fastest 40, but still on Twitter, Micah Parsons had an interesting interesting tweet earlier this week saying that that he wanted to challenge Jason away to a to a sprinting contest basically to a race uh the winner of that race is who I'm still gonna go Jason man I mean I think people forget this this kid was kind of primed to be like a you know a division one level basketball player potentially if he went that route mm-hmm. so I mean he, he's a freak and and he was you know he was a heck of a sprinter in the 110 meter dash in high school as well yeah, I, I still got to give Jason the edge, but I'll, I can't put much past Micah Parsons. He was arguably the best running back in Pennsylvania last year. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he's a special talent. By the way, since since Micah you know, kind of called Jason out 
on Twitter. Right. We've heard from Jahan Dotson. We've heard from Ricky Slade. They all went in on the action. Something tells me the Penn State staff's going to say, you guys aren't racing. You guys are getting ready for the game. <laughs> yeah, we might have to wait for the offseason to get get some video on that, but still something to look forward to there. Uh, all right, Tyler, last one, uh, last fill in the blank before we let you go. Looking ahead to Penn State's 2019 class, currently 14th in the nation in the 247 sports composite ratings. Penn State has 16 commits. They just picked up one, a big one from cornerback Joey Porter Jr. last week. Uh, they got only a couple months left until the early signing period starts, though. Uh, the biggest need in the 2019 class right now for Penn State is what? Perimeter defensive line. Um, so I think Adiza Isaac out of Brooklyn, New York, is a, is a major target, and I think they're in good shape to eventually land him. Um, but I think the biggest fish out in the sea right now is Zach Harrison. Uh, he lives about 20 miles away from Ohio Stadium, but he hasn't committed to the Buckeyes yet, and uh, he's, he's focused in on Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, great relationship with James Franklin. Um, I think he's still a little bit lofty to expect him in a Nittany Lions uniform, um, but I think that that's where you want to address things if you're Penn State. You want to find your next Jason away, the next guy in that line that can disrupt the pocket, um, and so I think that's where, where you look a lot in these next few months. Yeah, yeah, that would be always a benefit to have people who can get after the quarterback there. Well, Tyler Donahue from 247 Sports and Lions 24-7, thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. We really appreciate your time. Anytime. Hope we can do it again. All right, me too. Take care. Football season is back, and so is the chance to win big with FanDuel. You don't have to be a fantasy expert to win with FanDuel, and it's never been more fun or easier to play. This year, FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before with games like Gridiron Pick'em, Guru, and Beat the Score. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start playing. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. We're going to end today's show with our weekly top five countdown. This week, we're counting down Penn State's top five Big Ten season openers. I found this in my research. Penn State's actually 12 and 13 in Big Ten openers since they joined the conference in 1993. So they should be able to even up that record at 13 and 13 on Friday. And Penn State is 3 and 1 in Big Ten openers under James Franklin. One loss was uh, that blowout at Michigan in 2016. So, Penn State's been better of late, but yeah, not not super great in Big Ten openers. More often than not, Penn State has started 0-1 in the conference, which has surprised me at least. But here are Penn State's top five openers. These are all wins. Number five on the list, 1996, Penn State beat Wisconsin on the road 23-20. Penn State was number three at the time. They eked out a win at Camp Randall, barely beating the Badgers. Uh, Penn State kicked a last-minute field goal to take the lead. Or I, I guess it was with about a minute left, minute and change. And then Wisconsin drove down, and they had a chance to tie it with a 58-yard field goal. They decided to try that instead of throwing a Hail Mary into the end zone. The kick went wide, wide left, and Penn State held on. I did find this, looking up this game, Penn State's kicker at the time, Brent Brett Conway, who made the game-winning kick, said this about playing at Wisconsin. 
quote, this is probably the toughest environment I ever had to play in. I wish our fans were like this, close quote. So look at that, Brett Conway, saying it's tough to play in Wisconsin. They're at least tougher than Happy Valley. Interesting. All right, moving on, number four in the countdown, Penn State Northwestern in 2005. This is a very memorable game and what turned out to be a very memorable season. Penn State was losing this game for pretty much all of it. They were down by 16 at one point in the first half, and they trailed by two with two minutes left, and then after a Northwestern field goal, and then Derek Williams caught a 36-yard touchdown from Michael Robinson with 51 seconds left to give Penn State the lead and the 34-29 win. And it turned out to be an 11-1 season, but who knows what that season would have been like had Penn State lost this game. The expectations weren't there. If they lose this game, they would have been 3-1. They might have, you know, who knows if they end up going 9-3 and that year or something different than 11-1. So that helped. That win certainly helped Penn State get to the Orange Bowl that year and was, was a pretty thrilling game out in Evanston. Number three on this countdown, Penn State-Illinois in 2012. This game uh, was just, it was like the most clear sign that Penn State was still at a very competitive level on the field after everything that happened with the NCAA sanctions in, in 2012. And it was it was super personal for this team because of what Illinois did. Sending coaches, or at least having coaches contact players after there was the rule that any Penn State player could transfer without penalty. There were some Illinois coaches under Tim Beckman, who was the head coach at the time, that contacted some Penn State players one Penn State player, uh, offensive lineman Ryan Nowicki, ended up transferring, but it didn't really hurt the program or help Illinois that much. And Penn State definitely went in knowing that. And Michael Mowdy played out of his mind. Bill O'Brien was pissed off, like going into this game, and they just they blew out Illinois. It was thirty-five to seven. Mike Mowdy, there were three turnovers in the game. Mike Mowdy caused one on with a huge hit on a punt return. And then he also picked off their quarterback and almost took it back. He took it, I think it was a 99-yard return, and he was forced out of bounds at the one. And then Penn State eventually punched it in. And uh, so, yeah, that was a really emotional and a good win for that team in what turned out to be an impressive 2012 season. Number two in Penn State's top five Big Ten openers, also against Illinois, this time 10 years ago in 2008. This was a whiteout game at Beaver Stadium. Uh, Penn State was, I think, a top. They were 12th or 15th. They were they were ranked. Illinois was ranked. It was uh, Penn State's first really big test of 2008. Illinois, you know, might not seem like a big test anymore, but Illinois was coming off that Rose Bowl season with Juice Williams. He was still the quarterback. Illinois ended up going five and seven in that game, but it was still a nice win for Penn State. They ended up winning 38 to 24. Evan Royster and Derek Williams both had huge games. And, uh, you know, that's the that's the season that Penn State eventually won a Big Ten title. So that was a really good win and, and a big night game. Whiteout crowd at Beaver Stadium looked great. Number one on our list, you don't have to think back too far, Penn State-Iowa 2017. I put this game at number one. Like, maybe there's some recency bias, but... Honestly, like it was such a good game, not just because Penn State won at the last second, but because like, Saquon Barkley was unbelievable in this game. 
It was the game where he hurdled a guy, but like, like the hurdled and all Saquon hurdles. That was like one of like six jaw-dropping highlights he had in the game. He was amazing. Trace McSorley had the clutchest drive so far of his Penn State career. Obviously, Jalon Johnson, the walk-off touchdown on the road. And Iowa, I mean, Iowa was a, wasn't the best team in the world last year, but winning at Kinnick Stadium, especially in a primetime night game, was not not an easy thing to do. It was an impressive win by Penn State. It really showed the country what kind of player Saquon Barkley was. It was a, I mean, I think people knew going into last season what kind of player he was, but to do that in September was in prime time really, really opened a lot of eyes on on a national stage. So I think that was the best Penn State Big Ten opener in the past 25 years. If you disagree with me, if you agree with me, if you think this order should be rearranged, if I forgot something, please let me know. You can get your comments in on Twitter. You could get us at Locked on Nittany or find me at S. Pianovich. So please, if I screwed any of those up or you think that I missed something, do let me know. All right, so that's it for this week's Top 5 Countdown, and that will do it for today's Locked on Nittany Lions. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back tomorrow with a Friday show, a a rare game day show for Locked on Nittany Lions. We'll kind of have more of a look at Illinois and what kind of team they are and what to expect on Friday night in Champaign. I'll talk to you then.